Welcome to Ikigai Stories. I'm Sam Yushio. The goal of this podcast is to showcase people who are living with intention, working hard to align actions with priorities, and ultimately to provide a platform of inspiration for those seeking to live a life rooted in purpose. In this episode, we hear from Ahmad Corner, the founder of Young Professionals of Seattle, a 13,000-member organization born from Ahmad's personal desire to shift his career path out of law. Eight years later, the organization is the largest of its kind on the West Coast, providing networking, professional development, and nonprofit opportunities for its members. Ahmad took the LSAT, got accepted into law school, and started a job as a paralegal. And while sitting in his first trial, a land use case over a 10 by 3 patch of land, he quickly realized that the lawyer track wasn't for him. In fact, he nearly fell asleep. And for a guy that flourishes in creativity, strategy, and contributing to society, the courtroom battle over a tiny piece of land represented the exact opposite of his core passions. In addition to his leadership of YPOS, Ahmad discusses his passion for coaching startups and his role as an advisor for companies like Future for Us, a platform for women of color, and Intentionalist, an online guide to intentional spending that supports small businesses and diverse local communities. Ahmad's episode was recorded in front of a live audience during the Ikigai Stories launch party at Atlas Workbase. Similar to previous episodes with a live audience, you'll hear Q&A toward the second half of the conversation. Finally, I'd like to give a very sincere thank you to everyone who supported the Ikigai Stories Kickstarter campaign. We successfully achieved 102% of our goal because of the generosity and support from many of you. One of the pledge tiers included a shout-out at the top of the episode, so I'd like to give a very special thanks to the following people. Thomas Flynn, Krista Steinbach, Lauren Andrews, Diane Savoyan, Brandon Quint, Rachel Barstow, Tom Yushio, Heather Hamamoto, and Tara Watt. There were countless others who pledged, including a handful who were incredibly generous, But regardless of the amount pledged, we're so grateful for everyone who participated in the campaign. And as a result, we've got more great guests on the horizon. Up now, Ahmad Corner's inspiring journey to launching the 13,000-member Young Professionals of Seattle platform on Ikigai Stories, episode number six. All right. Y'all set? Thanks for sitting there and just staring out this to the crowd great. during that whole time. I appreciate that. Uh, so the star of the show, Mr. Ahmad Corner. Um, Ahmad is, uh, works out of Atlas as well. Ahmad and I have met through Atlas. Uh, and Ahmad is uh, a guy that is very difficult to define. I actually had to send him an email and say, hey, you've got so many things. Like, what are the main things? And there's a lot of a lot of depth to Ahmad. Um, so I th- I'm just going to start the conversation off with Ahmad centered around his work as the founder of YPOS, the Young Professionals of Seattle. And then through the conversation, we'll kind of hit some of these other points on what he's doing um, here for the uh, Seattle community. So Ahmad, thank you for being here. Thank you, Sam. Uh, can you talk about YPOS? 
please. Um, yeah, I can. So it's Young Professionals of Seattle. Uh, it's a networking organization that now consists of uh, almost 13,000 people in the Seattle area. Um, it's created eight years ago. Selfishly, I was looking to move myself out of the industry I was working in at the time um, and was told I needed to network. And everything that existed at the time was overly buttoned up in extremely stuffy environments I didn't know that I really wanted to hang out in. Um, so I thought, I mean, I think maybe like a lot of maybe selfish kids do, I don't want to play by those rules. I want to start something on my own, um, not knowing at all what I was getting myself into. Um, but yeah, 18 years, 18, eight years later, um, it's a full-blown organization um, with a media publication arm, a professional development um, coaching series. And uh, yeah, it's led to a lot of conversations, a lot of meetings with people like Sam. And uh, yeah, it's a, lot, it's a lot of work, but it's very fulfilling, I think. So let's talk about just the organization. Yeah. How many members? Uh, so I've got two, two, actually three questions right out of the gate. How many members, how do you define young, and how do you define professional? Mm -hmm. Okay. So around 13,000 members, a little bit more than that. Um, and intentionally, we decided not to define young or professional. Um, the idea was to be different than what other young professional organizations were, um, and also be as inclusive as possible. Um, a lot of people like to network, and it's not up to me to decide who's old and who's not or who's young and who isn't. So we thought we'd just say, yeah, young professionals. But if you feel young or you want to be around other people that feel young, then you're young. And most people have jobs. They are professions. So I would consider that a professional. Um, you know, the, the idea is to, to, to expand your network. And I don't think that should be limited to job type or industry or age. Um, so, yeah. While the, uh, the, the, the name of the organization is Young Professionals of Seattle, it is loosely defined on purpose. As a Gen Xer, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so can you talk about uh, just what the organization, if I'm a member of the organization, what does is, what is, uh, my engagement look like? Um, well, we, we, we host over 50 events a year around the greater Seattle area. Uh, we have a, a reoccurring networking event, no cost, show up when you want to show up between the hours of like 6 and 9 p.m. Um, and meet the people you want to meet. We don't wear name tags on purpose because we don't want to be like everybody else. Um, and then we have a professional development series that launched as, it actually launched as an event series. It's now its own standalone brand called ProDev. Um, and we're really matching coaches and mentors to the individuals that are looking for the resources to become better professionals or entrepreneurs in the Seattle area. Um, we average about a, an event a month in that space. I don't know what's going on upstairs, but, um, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. And then we have like a bunch of random special events. We do fundraisers. We, we just launched a brand called YP impact. Um, the intent behind that is to measure the impact that young professionals can make in their community. Uh, where we're um, partnered with United Way and a bunch of other local 
nonprofits and charities. So through those different organizations and arms, we do host, you know, I think we're close to like 60 or 70 events now, um, which can be a lot of work, but again, it's fulfilling and it's stuff that, you know, we tend to be relatively responsive. We're super data driven. So we do collect a lot of information on members up front. We do surveys quite often and we build programming around the information we get. Um, so we do have a lot of events, but they're, I think, purposeful events, right? Kind of designed for the user experience. So eight years, right? You just had the year anniversary yeah. party a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, or, that was March 9th. So almost a month ago, yeah. Yep. Uh, so reflecting back eight years, what, what are some of the... Well, let's start with what are, what are you most proud of over that eight-year time frame? Um, wow. I th I'm proud of being able to leave my full-time job. Um, that happened about two years ago, largely because of Young Professionals in Seattle and some other things that were built uh, in relation to it. Um, and, and being able to grow or to identify that there's a need in the community for stuff like this. Um, again, I, I kind of did it selfishly because I was looking for an industry to work in and found out that a lot of people were doing the same thing. So um, really cool to see that there, there, there's an audience and there, there are people like me that want to do more outside of their day job than go home and sit on the couch. Um, so I think for me, if I can reflect on eight years, you know, the, the fact that maybe we helped uncover that reality that exists in Seattle. You know, people are looking for opportunity to engage with spaces and people. How about over the eight years inflection points? So what, what are some of the key milestones along the, so maybe you said two years ago you left the, the nine to five. Yeah. You did it full time, but are there other stops along the road? There's a lot. Um, and I, I don't know if they're like, I don't know if I'd call any of them key milestones, right? Like we, we've, I think launching YP Impact was something that we wanted to do for a long time. We just didn't feel like we had the capacity to do it. Um, that happened at the end of 2018, so it's brand new. Um, I would say, you know, if I'm going to pick a milestone, that's probably the most important one for me. Um, you know, we did a really good job of bringing people to spaces to network and engage with each other, and oftentimes businesses if there was a sponsor. But... We always wanted to figure out a way to heighten community engagement with the, the energy that we were generating from the people that were part of the community. Um, you know, we shied away from it a little bit because you know, we didn't really know how to vet charities and nonprofits. Um, we also didn't have the resources or time, frankly, to do it the way we wanted to. Um, you know, we were able to identify a partner in United Way who kind of helped us pre-vet a lot of the nonprofits and charities we work with um, and provided a lot of the framework for us to, to build what we wanted to build. So I think that's, I think the most exciting milestone if there is a milestone for me. Uh, so what, what about the future? What does the future of YPOS look um, like? We're actually working on expanding to different cities. Um, I do serve on the board of Young Professionals of San Francisco. Um, so all the things we get to experiment with up here in Seattle, um, if they work, we try to replicate them in San Francisco. So that is, while it's not necessarily under the same umbrella, it should be soon. Um, we're planning on launching in a couple more cities in the Seattle, I mean, this, the general Western Washington area, um, with 
thoughts of moving south of Washington soon. Um, but that's a, uh, I think that's on the 2020 roadmap. We're doing some testing right now. But um, yeah, that's young professionals in Seattle. That's some, that's, I'm also looking for an exit strategy, to be honest. I'm not going to be a young professional, however you define that forever. Um, so we're working on templating as many things as possible. And there's a lot of things to template when you have 50 to 70 events a year. Um, so we're trying to create electable positions to backfill for myself and other people on my team um, that will help us scale to other cities as well. Uh, so let's kind of do a mini shift. So you, you advise on um, some other organizations. I think two of the organizations that you highlighted were uh, Future for Us and The Intentionalist. Um, uh, Ahmad's a pretty humble guy, so he probably will not reference this. You, you might be upset that I actually tell this oh, to, to the crowd, but um, he's actually up for an award for the Female Founders Alliance, and he's going from this to an award ceremony uh, at Pacific Science Center. So being a, I, I forgot the category, advocate? Advocate. Sorry? An advocate. Yeah. Um, not, not a female founder. He's but. not a female founder. <laughs> yeah. He's not a female founder, uh, but he is an advocate. And I think these two organizations where he's an advisor are a good uh, reflection of that. So can you talk about uh, either of those, or both of those, but whatever we want to start with first and how it resonates. Yeah, I got, um, actually guy got into, I don't even know where it happened. Um, through networking, I found my way into the startup community in Seattle. Um, ended up with me being like director of business developments for Seattle startup week and startup weekend here. Um, and I started doing a lot of mentoring and coaching a lot of young entrepreneurs and startups, um, turned into, opportunities well actually actually what i do as kind of a full-time job um i do a lot of startup coaching um so i i, I landed in opportunities with both the intentionalist and future for us they're both organizations one is the intentionalist it's a and i'm going to butcher this but it's a directory of small businesses in the community um that are either lgbtq minority women disabled or veteran owned um, so an easy way for people to spend money like it matters um, and be intentional with how they're spending their money. Um, so I guess my, my wheelhouse when I do consulting is a go-to market strategy. So identifying who that target audience is, um, how to go about talking to that target audience, and then finding a path to revenue. Um, so I'm working with intentionalists on some programming around that. Future for Us is a, uh, it's an organization that's built to empower women professionals. Um, launched in January, and I don't know what their membership's at. It's ridiculous right now. It's, um, they've been featured in Forbes twice in the last month, which is really cool to be a part of. I'm just glad I was even asked to be on the advisory board. But, um, yeah, it's... Uh, it, it's super fulfilling to be able to work with super driven individuals that are building things for the communities that they live in. So that's, that's where I spend a lot of my time as well. And I'd like to spend more of my time doing that. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. So let's, now let's do the, the big shift. So um, six years in to YPOS mm -hmm. or maybe even before you launched YPOS. So can you just talk about, 
what that look your journey to that let's say to the to the jumping so my, my point. breaking point yes with corporate yes <laughs> yes so, yeah um so i thought i was going to be a, an attorney um just because I thought that's what I wanted to do until I started working at a law firm in undergrad and realized I wanted no parts of it at all. Um, but at that point, you know, I had, uh, my work experience was in law. Um, I had a decently paying job at the time and it was path, path to promotion. And so, you know, I stuck it out for a bit knowing that like, I, I knew that there was no end game inside. Um, but I was like, I need to figure out where, I want to go and what I want to do. I know it's not law. I know I'm not going to law school. Um, and that's where I started looking for networking opportunities and decided to, to launch in professionals of Seattle. Um, you know, and then through networking, I found my way into a, well, at the time it was a startup, um, DocuSign. I was one of the first hundred and something employees before 200. And it felt very much like a startup. And I realized that like, this is what I like. I like the chaos um, and not knowing what my next day was going to be like. I got to wear multiple hats and, you know, have conversations about growth and things that we should be doing and things that we shouldn't be doing anymore. Um, and, you know, I was there for four years. Well, until I was fully vested, I think about year two, once we were lining up to go public is when everything got a lot more rigid. Um, and I think I was able to identify that, like, I, I'm not fit for a rigid corporate job. Um, so I was somewhat planning my exit strategy. Um, at the time, Young Professionals of Seattle was, you know, I think six years old or something like that. Things were going well. Um, we were having a lot of conversations with companies that wanted to help fund Young Professionals of Seattle, um, who wanted data to build marketing strategies targeting young professionals in the Seattle community. Um, and, you know, I kind of identify that as a revenue opportunity. If I can actually talk to these companies and consult them on how to better access that community that, you know, they were looking for, then, you know, I could, I could probably leave this job. Not that I hated it. It was a good company. Um, I stuck it out for another two years until we were fully vested right before we went public and, you know, figured – I'll give it a shot. I could always go back if I wanted to. Um, you know, lucky enough to have a decent network where if I needed another corporate job, I could. Um, and, you know, for me, there was no time like the present. So, you know, I was pretty straightforward with my VP at the time on like what my plans were, my goals with the company and outside. Um, so once I got to the four year mark, we had a very serious conversation and I took the leap. So, and, and I'm, I think I'm better for it. Um, you know, being an entrepreneur and running your own business is a lot more stressful than I thought it would be. Um, but I'd still have it no other way. Right now. So, so here I am. So was there, so whether it's, well, let's, let's go way back to law when you're kind of on that track. Back. So I want to get, I want to get, dig into. I thought I left that behind me. No, I'm br we're bringing up all the skeletons. Okay. Um, so why, why, why did you think you wanted to become a lawyer and why did you, Television. how did you decide or how did yeah. you decide that you, you weren't going to be, um, was there a moment? Was it a slow build? Just let's, yeah, I, to be back. honest, I, I just thought I was, I don't know. I was always a 
fan of like logical debate, if that makes any sense. And was often told by my friends when I was young that I should be an attorney and had an uncle that was an attorney who said I should be an attorney. And I was like, okay, maybe I'd be good at being an attorney and seems like a good career. Um, so I got an internship while I was at UW that turned into a full-time job and realized that like the, the what I saw on TV was not at all what attorneys did. <laughs> Once I started working at law firms and, you know, it was a lot of very boring, dry research. My first time going to trial, it was uh, like, it was a land use case um, where they were arguing over a 10 by three square foot plot of land in a parking lot. And I almost fell asleep. <laughs> not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. No, I've never seen that episode. Um, and, you know, did that a few times realizing that like, this is not what I want to do um, forever or actually ever. <laughs> the next day I was like, I don't want to do that tomorrow actually. So that um, was the mo that was the catalyst that moment. I yeah. I think the first time you had like falling asleep, asleep in, in court. In I didn't court. quite fall asleep That's in court, but I like, yeah, I, I had to pinch myself a few times to stay awake. Um, but I knew it was just like, there's no excitement in this. And I did have a very candid conversation with an attorney um, who <laughs> was definitely second guessing his decisions on becoming an attorney. Uh, and, you know, he said, you know, he, he'd go home and, think about like the tangible effects of what he did during the day and felt like he contrib contributed nothing. I was like, yikes, I don't want to be $150,000 in debt um, after three years of intense schooling and feel that way when I, when I leave work. So I need to figure out a way out. So it was, you know, kind of a, uh, an aggregate of those conversations and like courtroom experiences and just what I was doing day to day. Mm -hmm. I really knew that like there was no, there's no uh, light at the end of the tunnel here. Yeah. I need out. Are there, are there, um, as you reflect back on that situation and maybe even the, the departing DocuSign situation, are there similarities? Is there a mindset thing that um, you're, you just, you have a hype, hype, heightened sense of awareness that it's just time or? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I, I don't even know if I have a sense of awareness around that. I think I've become through those experiences, I've become self-aware enough to know that like I, in order to be happy, I need to have some sort of creative ability in something I'm spending that much time in. Mm. Um, you know, I got, I have to feel like what I'm doing is making a contribution to society or to other people. Um, otherwise like, I, I don't know that I'll be entirely happy. Yeah. Uh, I think that was the case in both law and at DocuSign at a certain point yeah. that, you know, I was just showing up to show up and could not stand doing so anymore. Has that always been something that's just like been a part of who you are? Uh, yeah. Your societal gain act yeah. activity. That, For sure. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's common in a lot of people. I think people want to contribute where they can. Um, I think the tough part is figuring out where you can contribute and still pay your bills, right? I, I still don't know that I figured that out yet. I'm trying. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, that's something I think that I've always known. I like, I like helping, I like coaching, um, which is why Young Professionals of Seattle is fulfilling to me, which is why uh, consulting and coaching startups is fulfilling to me. Um, and, you know, that's an experience you don't necessarily get in a corporate seat. 
right? Or at least I, I, I didn't always get that. So how about um, before YPOS was started, can you, uh, so what you've built with YPOS in YPOS is community and strength and collaboration. Um, but before that, how did you have a network that you relied on when you're going through these different stages in life? Or are there, can you just talk about, was it, you know, Mod sitting down and reflecting on what's happening in life and I don't like the direction it's going or was it, did you have sounding boards? Did you have sort of, I, I, I have a, uh, it's, I, I don't, it's not a quality. It's, it's just something that like, I'm still working on getting over. It's like, I, I'm not very good at asking for help. Um, and I'm a type of person that feels like I have to figure this out on my own before I even come close to asking for help which is often to my de detriment. Um, so, you know, when I was looking to find my way out of law, I didn't really, I don't think I relied on anybody in particular, um, which is unfortunate because, I, you know, I, I've, my uncle's an attorney, you know. Um, I could have talked to him a little bit more about, like, what the journey of being an attorney looks like. Um, and I worked around a lot of attorneys as well. So... But like, you know, I think I figured out, well, I kind of went at it alone to figure out that I didn't want to be in law. Um, the Young Professionals of Seattle thing, it was, I did my due diligence. I started reaching out to the other young professional groups that like looked like something I wanted to join. They unfortunately were not anywhere close to Seattle. Um, but just to pick people's brains on like what worked, what didn't work, cool. I think I can run with this. Um, but I was introduced to a co-founder um, by somebody in Chicago, coincidentally, knew somebody in Seattle that like, they're like, don't do this by yourself because you'll go crazy if you try to. Um, find a co-founder or five and see what you can get off the ground. So, you know, I mean, I guess you can consider that looking for help. Um, I was introduced to somebody back then and then I pulled in a couple of friends, that co-founder who I had never met, pulled in like a friend or two and we're like, let's do a happy hour. Um, you know, three months in, 60% of us have kind of fallen off of the group, which, you know, to what that contact in Chicago mentioned, like don't do it by yourself because people find other things to get interested in really quickly. Um, was the happy hour the first thing? Yeah, first, the, the very first, yeah, first happy hour. We had like 30 people there. Um, and yeah, it but really started with like, just like my own network. I created a Facebook page and had that friend or that co-founder create a Facebook page or invite all their friends to the Facebook page. And then, um, it, yeah, it grew from there. But um, yeah, it, it, I guess I can say I did rely on my network a bit. Um, I'm also, if, if you find me on social media, you'll find that like, I don't post a lot. So I, I post a lot for clients because I know social media really well. I just don't post a lot myself. So like, I, I kind of shy away from inviting people to things. So I'm like, okay, somebody else is good at that. I can help create the event and like build a marketing plan, but like you're going to have to do the personal invites because it's not my thing. You know, I don't feel super comfortable with that. So like, yeah, I didn't really rely on my network that much um, or as much as I probably should have. That's something I should get better at. Yeah. I think you have 13,000 members that can help <laughs> you out with that. Uh, so how about just over the, over any stage we're, so a big part of what we're trying to accomplish with this podcast is breaking down barriers. Yeah. Right. So over that journey, 
Um, are there, is there, when I say that, is there one particular moment that pops into your mind? So let's start with that. And then once you latch on to that, can you talk through how you pushed past those barriers? Yeah. Um, so finding a way to monetize a growing organization that needed the resources to grow um, was again, like I don't always feel comfortable asking for things, but then realizing that like we need corporate sponsors if you want to have this thing continue to grow, right? Like we've got a lot of interest from individuals and we go out of our way to make networking easy, which means let's not charge people to, to network. But there are things that need to be paid for in order for this to sustain itself. Um, you know, we had inquiries from companies that wanted to, to sponsor an event by like, if I show up and provide like candy bars, can you put our logo on your event? I'm like, oh, cool. That's, yeah, you can do that. It's free food. Um, but, you know, over the course of time, you start realizing your value, right? Um, you know, candy bars is probably a bad example, but you know, the companies are looking to convert clients um, or customers out of, the work that you've put in. Um, and, you know, we, again, intentionally wanted to be really protective over the community, the list that we got, the data that we received from people that wanted to join the community. We didn't want to, you know, as many times as we got approached by companies, we're like, we can't just ban people because people want to place their product there. Um, so finding a way to like place a value on what we were doing um, was kind of a breakthrough. Still trying to figure that out, to be honest, right? Um, it, it is a self-sustaining organization. It is in the black, you know, we're, we're no longer hemorrhaging from our own personal bank accounts to, to run it, which is great. Um, but it's also like a very tricky balance when you're trying to fund the organization by not taking money from the individual, but like charging the company, but also protecting the individual from companies that want to advertise there, um, which, I guess, led me to the go-to market consulting and agency where we got to be the interface between companies and the individuals um, and act as a gateway. So if you're a company, you want to brand your product in front of a very specific audience that we have the data on, we could say, yes, we can market you through our social channels um, or no, we're not going to market you through the social channels, but we can build a campaign for you to use your own social channels to do so. Um, so I guess identifying what, what our value was and how to protect the community that we built um, was, I think, a big breakthrough for the organization. Um, and for me personally, that actually allowed me to leave my job where I could actually consult companies on how to target a specific demographic through marketing campaigns. Yeah. Uh, so a cool story about Ahmad is um, he was a competitive snowboarder. Uh, and you started snowboarding at 17, is that right? And it was late to the game. Late to the game, but suddenly we had sponsors. <laughs> yeah. Um, so can you share that story? Shift gears on that? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I played sports growing up, football and basketball and baseball mostly. And I had friends that skied and snowboarded and talked about how cool it was. And I wasn't really interested in, in it um, until my senior year in high school and uh, we had ski school that would leave 
school during the winter seasons. I can't remember how often it was. Um, but finally, like, I decided, cool, I'll, I'll go this time. And I went and I fell in love with it right away. Um, and then when I say fell in love with it, I was there like every week um, as much as I possibly could um, from 17 to early college at least. Um, and, and I don't think I realized I was good. I think I was just hanging out with people that were good. Um, and I think keeping up with people around me and, you know, as I continue to go more often, I'd be more people that I think were in different stages and like their snowboarding career, if you want to call it that. Um, and then there was a competition at the end of one season, I think for my second year. And I was like, you should join with me. I'm like, I don't belong in any competition. I just started snowboarding and, um, but yeah, my first competition, I, I, I placed in the top 10 and that was a surprise to me. And I was like, wow, this actually is kind of cool. And, and then the next season there were, I mean, I was aware of competitions, so I do more and more competitions and the more competitions I did, the, the more corporate sponsors would be interested in, you know, not paying me, um, but giving me snowboards and gear to snowboard in, which is in essence, kind of paying for a hobby because um, either I'm paying for it or they are. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that, it kind of came out of nowhere. It's something that I just like love doing and got good at. And then it, you know, I competed mostly in uh, slope style, which is just like going off jumps and doing things that you shouldn't do, um, especially as you get into your 30s. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, several injuries later, I realized that like this is not, going to be a career of mine and it's a passion and it's probably not worth the uh, uh, torn ACLs and head injuries which I've had more than one unfortunately but um, yeah it's still, I, still, I still love snowboarding I still love it I, I try not to throw myself off cliffs anymore my fiance prefers it that way so does my mom but yeah. Yeah, I'm a lot a lot more safe these <laughs> days. Yeah. Is, is, is there a parallel between that snowboarding experience and what your entrepreneurial drive now? I think, yeah, if there is a parallel, it's just doing things that you care about um, and then finding out that there's a value to somebody else uh, in doing it. Um, you know, it, whether it's a corporate sponsor or another, like, person in the community that, you know, is interested in the same kind of things you are. I think yeah. the parallel is, you know, if, if you're doing something and you're excited about it and, you know, it's a passion, then maybe you're good at it or maybe you can become good at it. Um, you know, with YPOS, I never built it. I didn't build it to, to generate revenue. I didn't build it to create an income for myself. And I didn't start snowboarding to, to find sponsors and to win competitions. I just did it because I, I liked it. I found out that I, I enjoyed what I was doing and, and continue doing so. And I think you, you kind of grow a passion for something. And I mean, it doesn't feel like work. Um, you know, it's, I, I spin, I, 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 I work way more now than I did at DocuSign. And at DocuSign, I was working 50, 60 hour weeks, right? But it doesn't feel like work right now. Um, you know, I don't get paid nearly as much as I did at DocuSign, um, but I'm okay with that, right? Especially if you break it down on an hourly basis. It's, mm -hmm. I'm making way below minimum wage probably now. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, again, I would have it no other way. Yeah. So I think what you just articulated in a narrative form is the guy, right? I mean, it, I mean you, there were so many points that you, you dropped in there that, that uh, resonate with Ikigai. So I'll, I'll 
just throw it out here. I'm going to ask him one more question. And if anyone has questions, um, we'll open it up for a couple minutes before we let Ahmad go get some awards. Um, so probably the final question. Well, I've, I've, I've got one. We'll open up for questions and I've got a, a last one. So this one is, you know, so when you, if you, I think we all kind of have these different. Um, so back to your law or the DocuSign, like what would you tell Ahmad, if Ahmad on the lawyer track is right here, um, or Ahmad however many years into DocuSign is right here, like what, what message would you convey to that guy? I would say be like okay with asking for help. Mm. Um, and it's not just like I need help being a better professional. It's just like I, I need to talk to somebody about what it takes to get in the position that you are or like what my path to either exiting or staying here is. Um, you know, the, I guess the older I get, the more I find people are not just willing to help, but like want to. Um, people enjoy mentoring people especially if they're asking from a somewhat vulnerable space, right? And willing to listen. Um, I would tell myself back then that like got a lot of resources and got a network that I actually, I can actually tap into um, that I didn't do nearly enough back then. And I'm still working on right now, but that, that would be, I think if I had one piece of advice for myself. Okay. Uh, questions, questions from the audience. So they ask if you have a question, just old school style, raise your hand. Do you, do you want to do the mic? I was just going to say, if anybody has a question, if you could just relay I'll it just for the recording it. and okay. just right. pose it to Ahmad. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. Yeah. Mm, okay, so mm. now I, I need to reset. I think we need the mics because this always happens. People ask <laughs> all the you got it. I believe in that. you. So the question was, uh, when you were working at DocuSign and kind of moving toward YPOS, how, how did you find that balancing act between mm -hmm. those two? Um, and then where's your favorite place to snowboard? Yeah, uh, the balancing act was a lot of, <laughs> I guess, finding ways to get as much done as possible at DocuSign, my corporate job, in as little uh, time as possible. Like, I'd leave DocuSign. Like, I had a lot of freedom at DocuSign to, to work from home or work remotely or leave the office. So I would oftentimes need to take an extended lunch and go have a meeting for YPOS somewhere around downtown Seattle. Um, I mean, weekends were almost always dedicated to young professionals in Seattle. Um, nights the same thing, um, especially as you're bootstrapping an organization. Um, you know, you don't have money to build, to, to pay a developer or a graphic designer. Um, so a lot of that fell on me, especially in the earlier days. So, but yeah, it was, I mean, on my way home, on my way to work, um, lunch breaks, evenings, until it got to a point where I'm like, like I, I kind of have to choose one or the other because, um, and, and you know, in my mind, I was always like, if I had the amount of energy, uh, if I had the extra like energy or like mind capacity to invest in the young professional Seattle that I was spending at DocuSign, I feel like there was a lot more that I could do. Um, 
So, I mean, I, I had to balance both. And I think Young Professional Seattle was just kind of surviving. Um, and it was kind of painful to me, too. Like, it was growing, but I think it was surviving. I saw so many more opportunities that I really couldn't dive into because I had this full-time thing that was taking up a lot of my time um, until I, I made the leap. But, yeah, it was uh, – I don't know how I balanced it, to be honest. Um, I, I don't have a formula. I didn't have one. It was, it felt like chaos, but like, I think I, I kind of thrive in chaos. Um, so it works out. Um, my favorite place to snowboard, um, is either Whistler or Stevens Pass. I think Stevens Pass because it's the first place I've snowboarded. Um, and that's where I started competing initially. And they had the, the, the best train park in Washington for a long time. Not anymore, but for a while. Yeah. You approve? I'm Stevens. Thumbs up? Okay. Okay. No. All right. Uh, other questions? Yeah. What is it about snowboarding and jumping on cliffs? Um, I have my own stories. I know that your advice is gravity payment. Yeah. I know that about passionate snowboarding. I don't have the answer to this question. Yeah. Something. I, I don't know if I have it either. I think it, maybe it's adrenaline i don't know I, I i i do like things that move fast <laughs> um i think one of my first times ever going off of a jump and catching air and landing when it didn't hurt i was addicted um but yeah i i don't know exactly why it's it's e even riding through the train park now um or past it like i get like an itch to go do things that i know my body shouldn't do yeah yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I still love it. Yeah. Evan? Uh, what do you mean by data for, like, charging money? So uh, the question – sorry, the, I didn't get the last one. The, so the question is, uh, how do you define data and targeting millennials? Yeah. Like the platform, I'm assuming you're asking. Yeah. Data is a very broad um, subject, obviously. And I think it's – data that we capture is constantly evolving based on conversations we're having with companies and conversations we're having with individuals that are networking at events. Um, so data for the most part, we capture data when people sign up to join the community, right? Um, for a free membership, you just have to fill out like your profile, which is first, last name, email address, like neighborhood you work in, neighborhood you live in, like how often do you travel? Um, mostly very high level questions, but they're positioned based on the events and content we produce and also the information that a lot of the companies that are looking to interact with young professionals might be looking for. Um, so we try to keep it high level and not really invasive. Um, and then if some company is like, hey, how many of your community members are homeowners? We actually have information on people that rent versus own and we can say hey by the way this company wants more information but they have to like provide like a benefit right like, they have to give like a gift card for you to fill out a survey to get more information there um so yeah we collect data and information up front some of our events we do as well um really depending on the nature of the event if it's professional development then we like to know you know what kind of content you're interested in like what stage of your career you're in um 
most of the data is for us, but we want to make sure that it's, it can be relevant to a company if they want more information or they want access. And again, we don't give data, I shouldn't say again, because I haven't mentioned this, we don't give data on individuals, we give it like an aggregate if we do. Okay, so the last question is just about intentionality. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's short and sweet. So what are you currently, what are you being mindful and intentional about in life? Um, I think I'm, I'm, being inten- I'm trying to be more intentional about, about my time. Um, and... You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I think the kind of person that likes to say yes to everything. Like, I don't like missing out on experiences. I don't like not taking an opportunity to help somebody or meet with somebody, um, which I still like doing. But, like, I think being intentional about the things I put on my calendar and really respecting the time that I blocked out for it. Um, I, as an example, I, I, I have a... 45 minute window on my calendar on Mondays to manage my calendar. And like, I need to spend that 45 minutes doing nothing but managing my calendar. I also have like a one and a half hour reading block and then a one hour writing block three days a week. Um, and I really am being trying to be intentional about doing nothing but that um, on those days. So it's, I can't remember who I was talking to about it, but it, it was, I mean, the conversation was about like, mental health like you become an entrepreneur kind of person that like likes to experience things and doesn't like saying no and then you look up and you feel like you're spinning your wheels because you're only doing a little bit of everything and nothing's really getting done um and you know the i guess the the path out at least for me is being intentional about how you're spending your time and the things that you want to accomplish right so that's been really important to me in the last six months or so okay yeah uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, please give Ahmad a round of applause. Thank you.